0: Please join me now in John chapter 21, a message we're calling, Follow Me. So a number of years ago now, I was taking a walk with one of my daughters. She was about one, one and a half, and I had her in one of those umbrella strollers. Do you guys know what those are? Not the heavy duty stroller, but one of those is just very lightweight, folds up, and I was walking my daughter. It's a pretty day and daydreaming when all of a sudden I hear a loud dog barking and running in our direction. And so kind of instinctively, I turned with the stroller to face the danger and realized that, oh no, I've put my child between me and this dog that's coming. And so that I quickly, in a millisecond, I corrected that, put the baby behind me and then got between myself and the the child and the dog. And thankfully the owner of the dog came out and Got their dog. Apparently, the dog wasn't as aggressive as it appeared, but then I started thinking, man, I hope nobody saw me. (laughs) I hope nobody saw that moment where it looked like I was wanting my child to protect me from the dog. That would have gone viral had somebody videoed that. That was not a great dad moment. I did fix it in a second, but we all know that would be the wrong thing to do, right? We just know a dad should be willing to defend his children, a parent should be willing to lay down their lives for their kids. We, we know that's how that's supposed to work. Well, today I want to ask you a similar question. Here it is. What are you willing to die for? Or for whom are you willing to die? How about this question? Is there anyone or anything in your life more valuable than your life? That's the question I want to rest on you for the next 25 minutes or so that you might take that up. Am I willing to die for someone, for something, or do I think my life is too precious for something like that? Now, I've had a head start on you with these questions, obviously meditating on this all week. I know all of us, we're gonna die one day and we don't get to choose when and how it's gonna happen. And we all have a script we hope the Lord will use. Most of us think to ourselves, well, I'd like to live to a ripe old age. I'd like to be healthy all the way up to the end. I'd like to die in my sleep. You got the same script? I'd like to die in my sleep peacefully, and I would like to add painlessly. That's kind of how we all would like to go. But we don't get to write the script. God gets to write the script on how we came into this world and how we will leave this world. But the question I have is this Are you willing to lay down your life for someone today? Would you do that? I started thinking about this and I thought, would I lay down my life for others? I would. So first I thought about my family and you know, you run those home defense scenarios and you think I would, I would rise up to any threat to my house to protect my family. So if we had the bump in the night, I wouldn't be waking up joy. Hey, joy, go get him. What is it? You go get it. We, we laugh because that's not the right thing to do. I certainly wouldn't run to the children's rooms. Hey, get up, get up, go protect me. No, he's no. I, I'm willing to take on the threat. I think about who else would I be willing to die for? I think about our church family, and so we all watch the news. We know these scenarios; they run through our minds. I'm so grateful for our safe team that's always looking. We, they're in here in the room with us, and they they're, they watch around. I'm so grateful for them. But I think about if we had one of those situations, I also would want to defend you. The pastor just means shepherd, and the impulse. It should not be to run. Now, we all know what I might do with a stroller. So in these moments, but what we want to do is we want to protect. We want to take care of those entrusted us. But ultimately, when you think about who would I give my life for, it's my Savior. If called upon to to give my life for him and his work, absolutely. Here's how I wrote it to myself in my notes. Jesus gave me this life. And when he wants me to lay it down for him, it is already his. You do know that, right? Every heartbeat that you have, that's given to you by God is his. Your life is his. Every breath is from him. Your life is already his. And if he calls for that life to be given for him, it's already done. So today we're going to think on this question, for whom am I willing to die? Would I lay down my life for Jesus? I think this is very important for us. This is going to shape how you live your life if you can answer this question correctly. And we're, we're coming to the occasion where Jesus has a conversation with Peter telling him about the rest of his life and about how he's going to die here in John chapter 21. I believe this message will be hopeful. I believe it will be inspiring, but I know it will not be comfortable as we take this on. Our context is Jesus has just restored Peter. Remember, Peter denied Christ before the crucifixion at the time of the arrest. Remember that? There in the courtyard of the high priest, people said, don't you, do you know Jesus? You know, I don't know him. I don't know who you're talking about. He failed miserably. Now this is after the cross, after the resurrection. We saw it last week as we walked through John 21, where Jesus restores Peter to himself and recommissions him into his service. And in that same context, same conversation, we come to John 21, 18. Jesus said to Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Look at verse 19. This he said to show, but why, by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow Me. Did you notice with me that Jesus tells Peter that he will die for him? Jesus tells Peter that Peter is going to die for Jesus. Now Jesus has just recently died for Peter and died for the sins of the whole world. Now Jesus tells Peter that it's going to go the opposite way. There's coming a time in the future where Peter, you're going to die for me. And he even tells him how he's going to die for him. Jesus uses the language of crucifixion here. He says, you will stretch out your hands. And Peter knew exactly what he was talking about. Everybody there would have known what that's talking about. That's that's one of the ways they would describe crucifixion here. Now, Peter, we know earlier, had said, I'm willing to die for Jesus. In fact, all four gospel writers describe that moment in the upper room where Peter said, I'll die for you. Matthew 26, Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Mark 14, 31, but he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. It says, and all the disciples said the same thing. Luke 22, verse 33, Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then John 13, John records it too. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. You Remember, Jesus said, will you really? Peter, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. But we talked about it when we came through that passage. Peter was sincere. But just in that moment there in the courtyard of the high priest when people questioned him, well, in that moment, he didn't feel like laying down his life for Jesus. Now he's scared. Now he wants to preserve his life. But Jesus says, Peter, it's going to come to that. In your case, my plan for you, you're going to be faithful until death. And right after telling him that, did you notice the words? follow me. And we're going to see that Peter did indeed follow after Jesus, even with that there. Now, as I thought about what Peter heard that day from Jesus, I I would not have wanted that information from Jesus. Now, if if it comes, God's plan for me that I'm going to lay down my life for him. Fine. We're we're going to be talking all about that today in this message, but I'd rather not know that in advance. That's a lot to carry through your life. Kind of wondering, I wonder when, is this the day that's going to happen? Is that hard? Is that going to happen to me? fact, one person said it this way. Peter lived and served three decades with this prediction hanging over him, but Peter followed the Lord. So let's see now his initial response. Jesus tells him, Peter, you're going to die for me. You're going to die by crucifixion for me. Now, Peter's initial response. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So that's his initial reaction. Hey, Lord, you just told me that I'm going to die for you by crucifixion at some point. What about John? Is he he also going to be a martyr for you? I love how that's recorded in the scriptures. That's such a real capture of what actually happened. What a real human response and everything we know about Peter. Another one of those things is he's just processing some huge news. He just blurts out, hey, what about him? And you and I are familiar with that kind of temptation. When we're going through something difficult, we are prone to look around and think, well, who has it easier than I have it? Why can't I have life like they have it? I remember doing this years ago when we arrived on the field in Central Asia by the way, you know when you when you sign up to go overseas with uh, with IMB, you they don't put you somewhere you don't ask to go. They let you know the options where people are needed. You pray about it, and then you you apply to go to that role. And so that's what we did. I begged the Lord to send me to the location that we ended up in. But when you get there, it's hard. They train you and tell you it's hard, but you get there and it's hard. You go through what people call culture shock. And I remember lying there one night in, in the worst of it, one, one of these days of culture shock. And, and I was praying something like this to the Lord from my bed there in Central Asia. I thought, Lord, I know I'm in the center of your will. I begged you to send me here. But I'm thinking about some other people who are in the center of your will. And they have it a whole lot better than where I have it. And let me tell you who I thought about. I thought about Adrian Rogers. Do you know about Adrian Rogers. He's since gone to heaven, but he was pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis. Joy and I were members there for a time, a year or so, when in, in seminary out there. And so literally in my bed, I'm thinking, I'm in the center of your will here, but Adrian Rogers is in the center of your will in Memphis at a great church. And every Sunday night, I know it because he talks about it. He goes to Chi-Chi's and eats. <laughs> literally thought about him eating nachos and salsa. He's got it made in the sinner's will. And so here I am. Then, then the other thought I had, I remember just processing it. I thought, and here I am right where you called me, right where I begged to be. But there were people who went through orientation with me in some really nice places in Europe. You're letting them serve where they go to little nice cafes anytime they want to. And here I am. Listen, you don't have to go overseas to begin comparing your circumstances to somebody else. You could do it right here. Maybe it's a health struggle you have. And you think, I don't, I don't know why God, you're letting me to have all these health issues when I see all these healthy people around me. Maybe it's a single adult. Lord, I don't know why you have me single and so many other people that I know are married. Then among the married people, Lord, I don't know why you're allowing us to have such marriage struggles when all these other couples seem like they're happier than we are. Lord, I don't understand why you're letting me have prodigal children who don't love you when other people have children who are faithfully walking with you. Oh Lord, why are are you letting me struggle so much financially when I see all these wealthy people and they can do whatever they want? They have no cares in the world. We're tempted oftentimes to compare ourselves to others and we are drawn to envy and jealousy. But Jesus says to Peter, you need to drop that comparison. You need to drop those unhealthy questions. Look at his response to Peter. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. We're going to come back to that point, but John now inserts a clarification. So John's the one being talked about here where you know, if, I, if it's my will that he live until I come, what's that to you? Well, John tells us that a rumor has started about that that people began to think, well, John's been promised he's not going to die. So John addresses that here real quickly, verse 23. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who's bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Let's come back to the main point. Let's come back to verse 22. Jesus said to Peter, if it's by will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus is saying, Peter, that's not your business. That's not your decision. That's my decision. I love it. Jesus. If, if that's my will... Did he live until I come again? That's completely my will. That's really none of your concern. A reminder for us that God has different specific plans for each of his children. We have the same ultimate mission. If we belong to Jesus, that mission is to follow Jesus wherever he leads and to make him known. We have the same ultimate eternal destiny. If your faith is in Jesus alone, You are destined for heaven. You get to enjoy Jesus forever. Same eternal destiny. But until then, we have different specific assignments from the Lord. Our circumstances are going to differ. And let me remind us that even our rewards will differ. Now we understand saved by grace through faith, you can't earn it at all. You're saved as a gift. Put your faith in Jesus, free gift. But hasn't Jesus told us repeatedly? According to your faithfulness, he will reward you. We don't know how he does this rewarding, but if you're faithful, he'll reward. Unfaithful, less reward. And so those who get these very difficult assignments from the Lord and they're faithful in that, God, however he chooses, is going to reward that. But here's our point. No matter how challenging, whatever his calling, our job is to follow Jesus. Our job is to follow his will, his path, his assignment. So Peter's initial response, not so great, but I want you to see now his real response. Peter's faithful response. Impressively, Peter learns that he's going to be a martyr for Jesus eventually. And he does exactly what Jesus says. He follows him with great courage. Peter's life becomes exemplary as one who followed Jesus no matter what the cost. And we're going to see this together now in several impressive ways. First, notice with me that Peter was faithful to preach the gospel. Peter was faithful to preach the gospel even when he was threatened not to do so. Acts 4, verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. Don't you love the courage? He's now being told, don't talk about Jesus. He's not denying Jesus now. No matter what you say, we're not fearing you. We fear only God. Well, they kept preaching and they got arrested again. Acts 5 Verse 27, and when they had brought them in, they sat them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Listen, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, he stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And Gamaliel calmed them down. And so they didn't go forward with a plan to have these men killed, potentially crucified on that day. Peter was courageous in the face of these same ones who did instigate the crucifixion of Jesus. He's talking to these same people, same high priest, same Sanhedrin. He's not afraid of them. Notice this also. So Peter was faithful to preach the gospel. Peter's also faithful to suffer for Christ. Acts 5. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and to let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. He's faithful to preach. He's faithful to suffer. Now this, Peter was faithful to call other believers to suffer for Jesus. He had a theology of suffering. Now he learned from Christ and he teaches other believers places like first Peter three, the, the letters that Peter wrote. He teaches what Jesus taught him. First Peter three fourteen. but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ. The Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Or 1 Peter 4:1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And then Peter, indeed, eventually was faithful to the end. The New Testament doesn't give us the exact occasion and give us the details, but we do know that he was crucified in Rome under the emperor Nero. There's a tradition in church history that says that Peter was crucified upside down. Can't necessarily verify that, but that's what the church has kind of passed on through the years. In Fox's book of martyrs, we have this statement. Jerome saith that he was crucified, his head being down and his feet upward, himself so requiring because because he was, he said, unworthy to be crucified after the same form and manner as the Lord was. So we know he was crucified as he died as a martyr, because that's exactly what Jesus said would be the outcome. And this tradition that Peter said, I'm not worthy to die in the same way, you're going to have to do this for me, inverted. Apostle Peter was a martyr, just as Jesus had told him in advance. One writer said this, in spite of the gruesome details Peter heard about his death, he must have taken comfort and joy in hearing that his death would glorify God. Peter's love for Jesus and his desire to obey and glorify him were evident throughout the rest of his life and ministry. Peter indeed had loved Jesus more than anyone else, more than his own life. He indeed spent his life tending to God's sheep and, and feeding them and being faithful until the Lord called him home. So now this, what's your response? What's your response? And let's come back to that question. Are you willing to lay down your life for Jesus? Are you willing to lay down your life to follow Jesus completely, no matter what the cost is? Are you willing to give your life literally for Christ? And that question is really a foreign concept in much of American Christianity, isn't it? That, that just seems bizarre. Somebody might be here going, I don't think God would ever ask that. And, uh, and, we, and we don't want that. It's not like we look forward to persecution. We're not, We're not asking for martyrdom. But people can have an erroneous idea of Christianity. Wait a minute. I didn't know Christianity was supposed to cost me anything. I mean, Jesus paid the price in full. I receive a free gift. It should be easy now for me. Or I've heard people say this before. The topic of tribulation comes up. And they say, well, I don't think God would want his people to suffer. Well, hold on a second. So I think we can only have that view if all we read are little devotional books. So so nothing wrong with some devotional books, a little little, uh, scripture snack for the day and a happy thought. But if all you have is a little scripture snack and a happy thought and one of these little books, they're never coming to suffering passages that are throughout the Bible because you're reading that to get a little pep before you go to work. That's why in addition to whatever devotional you might use, you must go to the scriptures yourself and read systematically through books of the Bible so that you don't miss this overwhelming teaching that you are laying down your life as a Christian to follow him. It's normal Christianity. Nobody has duped us This is is what he has told us here. Goodness, and we also have the prosperity gospel that's all across America and all around the world, sadly, that teaches that if you have enough faith, you won't suffer. You have enough faith, you won't get sick. You give enough money to the TV preacher, then then you're gonna have no problems. But that's not biblical Christianity at all. So what is your response? Well, how, how can you and I be faithful to Jesus like this? First of all, love Jesus above all else. Love Jesus above all else. Isn't that our context? Before Jesus tells Peter this, he says, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And that's where you and I need to be. Lord, I do. I love you. I estimate everything else in my life and everyone else in my life. I love you above all else. And this isn't a new teaching either. Mark twelve thirty, number one commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Paul lived this way. Is he estimated what's valuable? Christ, more valuable than even his life. I love Acts 20, verses 22 and following. Paul said, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I love that. Jesus, you're more valuable to me than my own life. Your kingdom is more valuable than my very life. I will lay down my life for you because I love you above all else. Second, second key to us being faithful, live crucified already. Live crucified already. Already, that's what Jesus calls for every disciple. Mark eight thirty four and following. Jesus said, it says, In calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his what? Cross. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Crucifixion. And follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. So see it. Jesus said, you're going to come after me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Consider yourself crucified already. This is how Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Already considering, I'm already dead. The old selfish me, the old comfort seeking me, that old pre-Christ me, dead, crucified, now Christ is in me. He taught the same thing to the Colossians in Colossians 3.3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Philippians 1.21, Paul said, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Maybe you, this afternoon, might read Philippians 1, the whole context there where he's just thinking about life. If I live, it's fruitful labor. It's serving Jesus. The whole life is about Jesus. And when, when that's over, it's going to be very much better because I'm going to be with Christ. Life is all about following Jesus, all about making disciples and death then is gain. So love Jesus above all else. Live crucified already. How about this? Present yourself a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12, one, I appeal to you, therefore brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So in reality, nobody can take your life if you've already given it up. If you've already given it to the Lord, listen, even if someone takes your life, they really haven't taken anything from you because you have resurrection life. Here's what Jesus said in John eleven twenty five: 25. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So even if they were to take your physical life, you keep living. You have eternal life in Christ. It reminds me of when I used to play video games with my daughters. It's been, it's been a couple of years at least since we played. We have an old system and have an old Call of Duty game. It's a World War II themed game. And when I play with my daughters, when we would play, uh, they always want to be the good guys. They'd want to be the allies and they'd make me play the bad guy. I think I raised them right. They, they want to be on the good side. And then we'd play and I was terrible at the game. Uh, especially when I play my middle daughter, Lindsay, she's got a great sense of direction in real life and in the video games. I have a terrible sense of direction in the real world. You put me in a game scenario, I'm lost there too. She would often say to me, dad, I know exactly where you are. I think, I don't know where I am. (laughs) She'd pop up behind me and take me out over and over again. It's very humbling. But I would be so courageous playing that game because I knew what happened. If she takes me down, guess what? I'm coming back. They called it respawning. In the Bible, we call it resurrection. They take your life. You keep on living. You live forever in paradise with the Lord. To die is gain. We're just talking about how can I be faithful like Peter was called to be faithful? We want to be faithful thinking about these things. And then this, let me add to this. Be inspired by the martyrs who've come before you. Be inspired by the martyrs who've come before us. And so think about Peter. Isn't it inspiring? A man with weaknesses like you and I have weaknesses, And then we see him after the resurrection, commissioned by the Lord, being told this news, and we see him not not blinking from there on. I I will follow Jesus, knowing the cost that's coming for me. Aren't you inspired by that? Paul, the same way we look at all the apostles, we think all of them died as martyrs other than John. Uh, We think that John lived to an old age, but he suffered in that, even exiled, and he suffered a lot himself. But we're inspired by that. But, But even beyond the pages of scripture, aren't you inspired by people in our time who've laid down their lives for Christ? I want to mention for us again our own Sid Mazel. Sid, a member of Staples Mill Road Baptist Church when she launched out to go serve in Central Asia. A lot of us knew Sid well. Uh, This church family uh, who were here at that time knew Sid well, and she sensed God's call to go serve in Central Asia. And there she laid down her life for Christ. Before going, she asked this congregation to pray for her, and I want to read you her words what she was asking this church family to pray for her before she went out in 2005. She wrote this, "'Please pray that I will live by faith and not by fear, "'that I will focus my heart on God and his sufficiency "'rather than on my situation and inadequacy. "'Pray that I will hunger and thirst after righteousness, "'that my greatest desire and passion "'will be to please and glorify God with my life, "'and that I will have a deep hunger "'for the word and for prayer.'" Pray that God will provide ways for me to build relationships with women in the city where I'll be living. Pray that God will already be working in the hearts of the women that I'll meet. She goes on to say this, pray that I will be bold in my witness, taking advantage of every opportunity the Lord gives me. She said, thank you for your prayers, Sid. And this was written on March 20th, 2005. Then about three years later in January of 2008, she was abducted and killed and we all grieved and still grieve, still miss our dear sister, but, but inspired. She could have served anywhere in the world. Everybody who knew Sid, loved Sid, any team on earth would have said, would you come serve with us on our team? But she sensed God's call there and she served faithfully unto death. She's not the only one. Another one is in 2004, a 38-year-old Southern Baptist worker, Karen Watson, she was killed overseas in serving the Lord. And about a year before her death, she she wrote a letter, a handwritten letter to her church that she came out of. And this is that letter I want to read to you. This was March 7, 2003, a year before she died. She wrote this to her church. Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this letter in the event of death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place, I was called to him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory was my reward. His glory is my reward. One of the most important things to remember right now is to preserve the work. I'm writing this as if I'm still working among my people group. I thank you all so much for your prayers and support. Surely your reward in heaven will be great. Thank you for investing in my life and spiritual well being. Keep sending missionaries out, keep raising up fine young pastors. In regard to any service, keep it small and simple. Yes, just preach the gospel. She then tells what kind of music she wants and who's going to sing. She says, be bold and preach the life-saving, life-changing, forever eternal gospel. Give glory and honor to our Father. And then she says this, the missionary heart. Care more than some think is wise. Risk more than some think is safe. Dream more than some think is practical. Expect more than some think is possible. I was called not to comfort or success, but to obedience. And she ends it this way. There's no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. I love you too. And my church family in his care, salam, caring. We're inspired by those who did lay down their lives for Jesus. And then finally, what do we do? How do we, how do we walk faithfully like this? Follow Jesus wherever he leads you. In whatever assignment he gives you different circumstances than somebody else, follow Jesus fully in that serve him fearless serve him for his glory in his kingdom and maybe it won't be that you lay down your life we don't we don't ask for that we pray for protection and safety for everybody we send out we want them all to come back safely of course and I want your safety so maybe it won't be that ultimate laying down your life in that sense but how about laying down your reputation for Christ Maybe you're playing it too safe. I don't want people to think I'm too radical for Christ. I don't, think, I don't want people to know I'm so... Ad- would you lay down your reputation for him? Would you lay down the plans you've had for your lives? And would you take up his will for your life? Whatever the cost. Will you lay down your life for Jesus? Jim Elliot famously said it this way. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. This week seeing that I saw another quote from Jim Elliot I'd never noticed before. Elliot said this, forgive me for being so ordinary while claiming to know so extraordinary a God. Would you trust in Jesus today? Would you pledge your life to follow him, whatever he calls you to do? Revelation 2.20 to the church at Smyrna, Jesus said, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Let's pray. Lord, we're taking to heart a heavy message. We sense what Peter must have felt when you gave him that information about his life and about his death. We're inspired by how you empowered Peter to overcome his fears and time and time again get back up and proclaim the gospel, whatever the cost. We're inspired by Paul in the same way. We're inspired by our own dear Sid. And God, we want to then also say to you, I'll follow you whatever you want here or anywhere, whatever it may cost in terms of reputation or any other temporary loss. Because, Lord, we know, Lord, our lives are in your hands and we will have lost nothing if we give ourselves fully to you. For all of eternity, there will be joy and rejoicing over following you. I pray for friends who are hearing this message as you are applying it to their hearts. Lord, help us all to respond with faith, with obedience. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.